away from one tackle. He's at the 20, the 15, the 10. He's got speed. He's going to the end zone. Touchdown, MSU. Dawson out to Harris for a three ball. He got it. Kennedy looking, center shot. They score! They score! Thanks, that good. It's good. He won't go anywhere. The Spartans are on their way to a win in the Rose Bowl. Completion. Live from Impact Studios, the only sports show from MSU campus. This is The Pack. And your host, Fino. That is right, everyone. Welcome to The Pack. Your host, Fino, alongside... Uh, Big show we have planned for today, uh, but before we start our big show, we have, we're one panelist down today, no Austin Goodman, but the woman always to center right, we have Faith Krogalecki with us. Faith, how are you, dear? I'm doing wonderful, and I'm looking forward to, tonight, to tonight's show. Yeah, it's going to be a great show. Um, we have Dan Kilbert from 247sports.com and spartantailgate.com to talk about Michigan State football recruiting, about this 2014 class, this 2015 class, really break down what the impact of the success of Michigan State's program will break that down as well. We have TJ Harrell, a uh, big three-star recruit coming out of Tampa, Florida, the newest Floridian Spartan right over from Tampa uh, Catholic. Safety, 6'1", Got some big size. I think he'll be a big impact for Michigan State this season. We'll welcome him on the show around eh, 735. We'll probably have him on or 725 whenever we connect with him. And um, our producer behind the glass is always, or yeah, our newest producer. Why not give him credit? John Yales, good to have you with you, bud. Good to be back. Yeah, good to be back. Uh, big show, Michigan State recruiting. Uh, and if you want to engage and embrace the Spartan debate with us here on the pack, you know the number is the same as always. 517-432-3893 is our number. Uh, so as we wait um, to connect with Dan Kilbridge from uh, 24-7 Sports Faith, I think it's safe to note that Michigan State's program obviously is on the rise on the field. But it's now that we're seeing off the field, Michigan State's recruits are taking a big step in the right direction. No, absolutely. And it was before the show that I was actually talking to my mom <laughs> because yeah. I live at home for the summer. But I was actually talking to my mom and I said, Michigan State is definitely improving, I think, on the people they're bringing in. And I just think, I don't know if it's D'Antonio and the much success he's, you know, we've mm-hmm. seen from him in the most previous years. Or was it the Rose Bowl? Or what was it? Because we're bringing in some incredible guys. I think Michigan State is obviously bringing some incredible athletes and players, Faith. I couldn't agree more. But I think when you look at it, yes, the success off the, on the field is contributed to success off the field. But as you know, Michigan State won't go for that bulky, flashy recruit. This 2014 and the saga that was Malik McDowell, he signs on the big five-star uh, defensive end. You get him on this team, this team's ready to compete. So when I'm looking at it, hey, this might be Michigan State's year on the recruiting front, but hopefully on the football field. But without further ado, we welcome in our football insider guru, for Michigan State uh, football and basically all things Michigan State recruiting from 247.com, Spartan Tailgate. We welcome Dan Kilbert to the show. Dan, uh, welcome to the Pact. How are you? Good, man. First time. I'm excited. Yeah, it's uh, good to have you on. Uh, big de- big media day for you. Glad that we can borrow you for a couple minutes to talk Michigan State recruiting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, really working it. But uh, hey, you got a great radio voice. I just want to say I really, uh, really enjoyed that opening segment there. Oh, uh, thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. It's the you know the least we can do with the Cubs really slapping around my Mets at Wrigley. So you know, I know you got a kick out of that. Um, I don't know about you, but if the Cubs ever won a World Series, you said it'd take you a week to get over a Blackhawks loss. Might take me a year if they lose that one. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, it'd be a rough one. Yeah, without a doubt. But you know, without further ado. Dan, uh, let's talk a little Michigan State football here. Uh, 2014 class, pretty good. But what about this 2015 recruiting class? A lot of big-time names coming in. Um, quarterback, uh, Brett Wilerke uh, coming in from Arizona. Uh, Jairu Campbell, who's up in the air. But Noah Listerman, you know, Kayantha Stallworth, who you love. Uh, out of these five commits, you know, we'll include Jairu. Uh, who really do you like in this 15 class to make an impact for the Spartan team in the future? 
Yeah, a couple of the guys uh, definitely like Stallworth, uh, as you said. I mean, he's a big guy, and uh, we actually reported this week that uh, there might be an internal battle in the football offices brewing for this guy. He was uh, initially recruited as an offensive lineman out of Detroit, but mm-hmm. defensive coordinator Pat Narduzzi is maybe saying now, well, we could uh, use this guy in the defensive line, too, if you want to send him our way. So those are uh, those are good problems to have when you've got coaches uh, fighting over which side of the ball the kid's going to play on. And uh, I think he's going to be uh, a really good one and uh, has a lot of good teammates as well out of uh, Detroit MLK. So you always want to get those Detroit kids early in the class um, like they did with Campbell uh, in order to sort of get that area going early, and they've had a lot of success with that strategy in the past. Other than that, this offensive lineman they got last week, Noah Listerman, is a big boy. Uh, he was over at their camp, and he is a legitimate six foot seven. Uh, there's not uh, any embellishment there, about 295 pounds. And he stands taller than a lot of the guys that Michigan State has that are juniors or even seniors. I mean, he just towers over people. Uh, got really long hair, like down to his shoulders almost, so a hard guy to miss. And uh, I really think Michigan State's 2014 recruiting class was one of its best in terms of adding uh, linemen on both sides of the ball. And it looks like they're really continuing that trend early so far in 2015. Yeah, it looks like it, Dan. We're talking to Dan Kilbridge, 24-7 Sports and uh, SpartanTailgate.com, Michigan State recruiting guru. But, Dan, let me ask you this. You mentioned uh, Keontae Stallworth, a little internal battle for him. Is Michigan State, I know we see this a lot in the NFL, is Michigan State really uh, mulling the idea that this kid could maybe compete on two sides of the ball? Well, not, uh, not at the same time. I mean, it has to be one or the other. You know, maybe with a uh, receiver or something like that, you can okay. try them both ways like they did with Tony Lippett. I remember that. But, uh, yeah, and uh, I think right now, I mean, he, he came in uh, recruited as an offensive guard, and those positions uh, just take a while to develop at. So uh, I think he ultimately will end up at the offensive line, but it sounds like maybe some coaches are thinking – if they have a need right away, maybe they bring him in and, and give him a shot at the defensive line first. Who knows what the team will look like when he gets here. That's true. It is 2015, a little ways away for Mr. Stallworth. But you mentioned Noah. I kind of want to go back to him for a second. Big O tackle, 6'7", 293, a legitimate 293, as you mentioned. He's not a tackle, but you know, do you have any idea where he, we could be seeing him on which side of the line? Maybe is it left or right? You know, I would guess uh, right to start out because they've got Jack Conklin who will be entering his sophomore season, um, and it looks like he's pretty set at left tackle for the next three years. Mm-hmm. Um, so by the time Listerman gets on campus, you know, he's a junior at that point. I uh, don't know what right tackle will look like then, but I would think uh, early on they'll probably give him a look at right. And, and the thing about Michigan State is they really don't recruit guys uh, for – specific positions on the offensive line and once they get into camp they say hey you need to know every spot you need to know left and right what your assignments are that way if someone gets hurt you can flip over to the other side and it's not a problem uh, i'd say his best chance of playing early is at right tackle but long term yeah with his size uh maybe he could be the guy who follows up conklin at that left tackle spot yeah, and the reason why we meant I mentioned left tackle was because we asked Noah, I think on the drive uh, last week, I think it was, what position does he play in high school? And he said he plays left tackle. So I was curious to know to see if he would be a left tackle here at Michigan State, but they are pretty cluttered in that position. Seems like with Stallworth and Lindstrom coming on campus, they look pretty set. So hey. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. a good point. Yeah. But I do want to ask you one question. You know Michigan State isn't really asking. They really can't comment on the situation with Jairu Campbell. Um, he was accepted his plea bargain or whatever it was, 60 days in jail. Uh, I know MSU is a little mull on it, but chances that Jairu Campbell will be some time on campus as a Michigan State Spartan. Yeah, it's tough to say because the coaches can't comment on it, as you mentioned, and I'm sure they're actually probably happy about that with a situation like this. Um, you know, they, they don't, they're not hounded with interview requests or they don't, uh, really have to make a move yet because it's an NCAA violation to talk about recruits before they sign. So, um, you know, we don't know what their thought process is. I am guessing at this point, because there have been two incidents, uh, first in the, the handshake line, he got into an altercation with a player from Detroit yep. Catholic Central, and now this, um, 
It doesn't look good, and I'm, I'm, I'd venture to guess if I had to that he probably won't end up at Michigan State. Um, and that's just uh, speculative again. I don't know that for sure. But uh, just one of those kids that, you know, I hope – I hope he does well, and wherever he ends up in yeah. college, I just hope that he can learn from this situation uh, because it would be a shame to, to see these two incidents uh, really ruin a kid's college chances. And um, listen, I, I don't think it says anything about MSU, and I don't think um, it says much about his long-term potential as a college athlete. I just hope that he uh, figures it out and stays out of trouble over the next couple of years. We're talking with Dan Kilbridge from SpartanTailgate.com, 24-7 Sports, uh, Michigan State recruiting guru. Uh, Dan, let me ask you this. We've spoken about Stalwart, Listerman, Jairu Campbell. What about this cornerback out of St. Mary's, Tyson Smith? Anything you can tell us about this kid? Yeah, he was sort of uh, an under-the-radar guy at first. Right. Um, didn't have a whole lot of uh, interest from other schools, and then all of a sudden uh, – Wisconsin uh, recently offered him, I believe, in April. So uh, schools have not stopped recruiting him. And I think once a kid uh, gets a Michigan State offer these days, other schools certainly seem to take notice because of the way they've been able to get those sort of under-the-radar guys in the past. And uh, I think he's a good athlete. That's uh, a, a good high school program that he's from. He's about 5'11", 175, and uh, committed – really early um, after getting an offer from camp last season. And, again, those are guys you need. You need the kids that are going to start things in the class, get the ball rolling, talking to other kids. And, uh, yeah, I think he could be another really good uh, defensive back at Michigan State and one like Darquez Denard, who was sort of under the radar in high school that could really surprise some people. No doubt, Faith. Dan, it's so great to talk to you. Thanks for coming on. Um, wanted to like ask you a few questions about Smith. I know you were kind of mentioning him about Darquez Denard. Do you think he can fill in the no fly zone? Do you think he has the, he's talented enough to be the next Denard? Well, Faith, it's great to talk to you too. And um, yeah, I, I think he has uh, definitely uh, got the skills. We have him ranked as the number six player in the state of Michigan right now, uh, which is pretty good because there's a lot of good 2015 kids in Michigan. Um, and that uh, says a lot about him right there. So, yeah, I absolutely think he can come in at some point and fill into that no-fly zone. And it's really interesting. Michigan State has been able to get good play out of its cornerbacks very early. I mean, Darian Hicks was a guy in their uh, last recruiting class, 2013, who not many people expected to do much right away, and Michigan State ended up playing him as a true freshman, um, sort of in a backup role last season, and now – it looks like Darian Hicks is going to be the guy to take over for Darquez Denard opposite Trey Waynes. And then when Tyson Smith gets here, um, you know, it's possible that uh, Trey Waynes might even have a chance to leave early for the NFL. Um, if not, he'll be entering his senior season. So, yeah, I think Tyson Smith is going to be a guy that uh, people are looking at right away as a guy who could possibly be one of those uh, next no-fly zone guys, so to speak. Absolutely. And I wanted to go back to Stallworth, I know, just to change pace a little bit. But I know you're, you know, talking about how, you know, he's going to be, he's a great big guy coming into Michigan State. You know, he's ranked third in the state, or that's what, you know, 24-7 sports has him at. You know, eight schools were interested. He was offered by six of them. You know, and actually Alabama was up there offering him to come on, you know, to their squad. You know, and if you look at Alabama's program, that's questionably one the best program in the country, you know, from 2009 to 2012, they go to the national championship, win three out of four of those. Why Michigan State over Alabama? That's a great question. Uh, and I think that's something that you really wouldn't see uh, back maybe, uh, you know, even as recently as five, six years ago, um, whereas, you know, if a kid had offers like that, uh, also as a Tennessee offer, then it wouldn't have even been a, a thought. But what Michigan State has done a great job of really ever since the Antonio's been here is they focus on in-state players first and foremost. So they want to make sure that they go into these Detroit schools, build great relationships with their assistants. And that way, when these kids get up uh, to the high school level and start hearing from colleges, their assistants have nothing but great things to say about the Michigan state staff. These kids like Keontae have seen Michigan state's coaches in their building walking around talking to players. So they sort of build that relationship early with these in-state kids. And I think uh, 
you know, Keontae added that Alabama offer in uh, February, so way after he committed to Michigan State, and it sounds like he's staying solid. And I really think that's because the approach the Antonio staff has taken is we need to take care of Michigan first and foremost, and then we'll sort of go outside and try to get some kids from Florida or Texas or wherever it may be. And I think Stallworth is just a great example of another kid that built those relationships early and, and loved what he saw in East Lansing. Great. And I know we ha- we actually haven't touched on LeWerk. You know, he's a pro-style quarterback coming in from Arizona, you know, ranked eight in the state. You know, 15 schools were interested, 11 offered him. He turned down offers from Arizona, Arizona State, so places, you know, where he's from. But I wanted to ask, looking at that he's a pro-style quarterback, kind of like Connor Cook in a sense, um, and you look at Damian Terry and if Jairu ends up coming to Michigan State, they're both kind of dual-threat quarterbacks. What would Michigan State be more apt to, be, you know, put in the pocket? That's a great question, too. Um, I would say right now uh, it, it just depends on uh, who can make plays. And I think uh, we've seen that uh, you know Connor Cook was the guy because of the way he was able to sort of improvise in the pocket. Even though he wasn't the fastest guy uh, by any means, he was able to get away from defenders, showed good footwork, and made some really good throws on the run. So I think that has a lot more to do with uh, college success than maybe just pure foot speed. Uh, it really depends on how you move around in the pocket and, and can see the entire field. But I do think Michigan State does want to incorporate a, a bit of a change-up in which uh, they do have the threat, at least, of maybe a mobile quarterback who can just burn guys right away off the line of scrimmage. It'll be really interesting to see if they use Damian Terry uh, next season in that sort of way, uh, maybe to at least have opposing defenses have to prepare and think that, hey, at some point Damian Terry could come in the game, this guy runs a 4-6, 4-7-40, whatever it may be. And uh, with Lewerke and, and Campbell, if he gets here, I think it'll be uh, much of the same. You know, They're not going to go with a guy just because they like uh, his speed more than the other. It's going to be really about the all-around skill set. And, and with Brian, I think he's a, he's a versatile guy. Um, he can move a little bit. He's not slow. He, I think he runs a 4-8, 40-yard dash, which isn't bad. Very well coached, has a big arm. And uh, I think it's going to be interesting just because Michigan State has stockpiled so many quality quarterbacks on the roster. Uh, once Connor Cook leaves, it's just going to be a huge competition. Both those guys will be in it, I'm sure, and I'm excited to see how it plays out. We're talking with Dan Kilbridge from 24-7 Sports, SpartanTailgate.com. Uh, you know, it's good to have him on with us, so feel free to tune in. Dan, let me ask you this. Uh, I know Sean Cher, we had him on a couple months ago. He was really high on Enoch Smith Jr. He Sean went as far to call this kid a hoss. So I'm curious to know what your take is on Enoch Smith Jr. I know he was exceptional at Mount Carmel, Illinois, um, but I'm curious to know what you think about this kid. Yeah, I like Enoch Smith a lot. And, um, you know, when we were talking earlier about mature players in this class, uh, I did him a disservice by not mentioning Enoch Smith. He's a, a great interview, got his head on straight, and um, really good kid. And I think he's a guy who could come in and make an impact as early as next year. Um, Michigan State loses two really good defensive tackles in Mikaja Reynolds and Tyler Hoover. Maybe not uh, that, you know, didn't put up huge stats throughout their career, but really did a great job in the trenches, um, paving way for guys like Max Bola and, and Danico Allen. And so Michigan State needs some guys to step up and fill those roles again. And the staff has told all these incoming freshmen at defensive tackle, hey, be ready because we're probably going to need one or two of you uh, to play as soon as next year. They've got four coming in, I believe, if you count Malik McDowell in that group. And Enoch, he's a good kid, great player, two-time state champion at Mount Carmel High School, which says a lot about him. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if I'd go so far as to call him a hoss or, or really yes. what that means. You know, I, always, I don't always understand Sean's uh, <laughs> recruiting terms. But, uh, yeah, he's definitely a, a kid I like and, and someone to really keep an eye on once fall camp starts in August. You know, when you look at this recruiting class, Dan, 2014, that is, it's really mainly defense. You see a couple things, Vontae Copeland, Gerald Owens, a couple on the offensive side of the ball. But it really seems like the recruiting – strategy for this Michigan State team is really defense first. I don't know what you think about that. Yeah, and that's uh, I think we see that on the field with Michigan State having uh, the number one ranked defense pretty much through all of last season. 
Uh, they've really done a lot of good work there, and they need to replace some guys with losing six starters on defense this year. Um, they went uh, really wide receiver heavy for a couple of years there and loaded up some of the skill positions on offense. Sounded like the Lions. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's, you know, hopefully it works out better for uh, Michigan <laughs> State than it has the Lions. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, right now the the focus in this class was defense, um, especially on the defensive line, like I mentioned. They had the great defensive tackles. They've got another Bulla coming in, believe it or not, uh, Byron Bulla. He's the last one, as far as I know. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I think that was a, a focus. And they really got, looking at top to bottom, uh, a very solid class. And one that I think uh, four five years from now we'll be looking at it as one of the best Antonio's ever had. You mentioned Dan Byron Bulla, and I was just about to ask you that. It must be that Cub reading the mind. I mean, you guys are good for something. So <laughs> Yeah, we have ESPN or something. Yeah. <laughs> but you mentioned Mr. Bulla. You have him listed as an athlete, 6'1", 190. Where do you see him playing uh, here for the Spartans? Well, surprise, surprise, he's going to be a linebacker, mm. uh, just like his brother Max and Riley. I talked to him uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, he sort of played all over the field in high school. Uh, played a little quarterback, some running back, defensive back uh, for a lot of the time. But I think uh, they really want him as a linebacker on the outside. He's going to have to uh, gain a little bit of weight. But uh, other than that, I, I think he should be good to go. And, and whether or not he moves into the middle linebacker spot down the road, we'll see. But in terms of uh, this upcoming season, they're going to start him out at probably – the strong side linebacker spot, which is where Danico Salen played last year. Um, because of the amount of linebackers they have right now, I'm guessing he will redshirt and then okay. maybe see the field uh, two years from now. But they are looking at him pretty strictly as a, as a linebacker right now, uh, from what I understand. Uh, no doubt. But, Dan, before we let you go, i got to ask you about one of the guests we're going to have on the show today. I, we had him here uh, on the drive T.J. Harrell, a little Floridian Spartan now coming out of Tampa Catholic. Um, You haven't listed as a safety, but, you know, he played so many different positions in high school. Are we going to see him as a linebacker? Are we going to see him as a safety? Just curious to know your insight on that. Yeah, he's going to be a a linebacker, too. And originally, Michigan State was recruiting him as a safety, as were a lot of schools. He had a ton of really good offers. And, uh, and then I think it was a week after National Signing Day, so pretty late in the process, Narduzzi gave him a call and said, hey, we think we want you to play the star linebacker spot. Would you be into that? And he said he was absolutely thrilled. Um, he, he loved the hit. He played linebacker uh, all the way from peewee to junior high to early high school ball. And then he was just uh, you know a guy that fast. In high school, you got to have him in the secondary. But he said he really doesn't like defensive back as much because he's too far away from everyone. He doesn't get to hit as much. Sounds like a so playmaker. This, uh, this star linebacker spot they have, um, which is where Tawan Jones has played a lot of recently, uh, it demands a lot in terms of pass coverage. So he will be able to use those defensive back skills. It's just going to be closer to the line of scrimmage, and I think that's really going to be – uh, a perfect fit for a guy with his size and speed. Dan Kilbridge uh, from 24-7 Sports, SpartanTailgate.com. Dan, always great talking with you, shedding the latest Michigan State recruiting. Uh, feel free to check out his stuff at SpartanTailgate.com. That is free up until August, I believe? Uh, yeah, up until uh, the first game. So that is August 29th, I think. We're doing a free trial offer. Uh like you said, Michigan State, uh, 247sports.com. Give us a try. Yeah, thank you, Dan. All the best. Uh, go Cubs, go. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, you too. You got it. Bye-bye. Uh, all, right. all the best to Dan Kilbridge from 247sports.com, SpartanTailgate.com. This guy really knows everything it needs to be Michigan State recruiting. Him and Sean Scherer do great work over there at 24-7 Sports. Wonderful um, to have him on the show. Um, we're going to take a quick break here on The Pact. As we continue to embrace the Spartan debate, when we come back, we're going to have Terrell, uh, or I'm sorry, TJ Harrell from Tampa Catholic, Michigan State recruit. You heard it from Dan Kilbridge. He's going to be a linebacker, so stay tuned. Only on The Pact. You're listening to The Pact on 88.9 FM, WDBM, East Lansing. 
For some high school students, school can be a dangerous place. A lot of gamers look at you as a game member, too. For some, just being in school can be a struggle. I wouldn't go to school. I didn't care about what my mom said. My mom would tell me, like, what are you doing for yourself? You're not doing nothing. But despite all the obstacles, inside every high school student is a graduate. People look down on you if you don't have a diploma. I want to graduate because they say I won't. Go to BoostUp.org and find out how you can help a friend, a son, a daughter finish high school. BoostUp.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Army and the Ad Council. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Tuesday nights from 8 until midnight, the Impact's Progressive Torch and Twang brings you the best in alternative country and grassroots music. Only on Impact Primetime. You're listening to coverage of Spartan sports like never before as we embrace the Spartan debate here on The Pact. That is right. As we continue to embrace the Spartan debate here, your host, Fino, alongside Faith and John Yale's behind the glass. No Austin Goodman today, so we will miss him. Number as always to call in, 517-432-3893 is the magic number. Guys, we're embracing the Spartan debate all day, all night long, and I think, Faith, it's pretty big, and we thank Dan Kilbert for his time in the interview, of where Michigan State recruiting has gone. Uh, I think it's a testament of where this program has been. Uh, 10 coaches, 36 years, really Michigan State, a lot of uncertainty uh, with this program. But now it's safe to say, really, Faith, for me, ever since Mark Antonio said, I view Michigan State as a destination, not a stop. Really, for me, Faith, the only Michigan State football head coach to ever say that Michigan State was a destination. Looks like everyone really viewed it as a stop. I mean, I think you can look at it and say that Michigan State players and staff are both award-winning. You know, they definitely have worked their way up, and the program is on the uprise, and we've seen that in the recruiting class and the success that they've had going to the Rose Bowl this past year, everything like that. So You mentioned the Rose Bowl, and you can see the impact of what the Rose Bowl has done for this Michigan State team, but, you know, I don't care. I'm not even going to bring up the Rose Bowl, but to me, if a good program is a good program, what the players make it up as, the community, the university, and more importantly, the coaches. The coaches make that atmosphere, Faith. So you can have all the success. Yes, winning does cure everything. Winning, this just in, winning does cure hangovers as well. But all I have to say is when it comes down to when you're feeling pretty sick or sour about your program and you win, Faith, whether it's scandal and whether it's, you know, you see all these NCAA programs, whether it's Ohio State, which they have the tattoo thing with Jim Trestle, they force their head coach out, they bring another class head coach in, uh, and they're still winning. But as I mentioned, Faith, winning cures everything. And, you know, I'm not going to say it, but I think Michigan State, without a doubt, the best team in the Big Ten for the last four years. I don't think anybody else is better. <laughs> I mean, if you just look at all the success they've had these past years, Michigan State is definitely, like I said, on the uprise. And the key thing for me was a swinging point. Faith, you mentioned it. These guys that get Alabama commits, Ohio State commits, Michigan State now is wheeling recruits from bigger universities with more prominence and, more importantly, more prestige. I mean, like I said earlier, though, Michigan State is drawing these guys, and like you said, from schools like Alabama and other Big Ten schools. So there has to be something that Michigan State has to offer. And as you can see, it's an incredible football program. Michigan State is doing something right, Faith. But now that we welcome uh, to the pack our second guest at a Tampa Catholic high school, uh, the latest Michigan State Spartan recruit, 2014. He'll be coming onto the campus this summer. We welcome TJ Harrell to the show. TJ, uh, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm good. How you doing? Ah, we're doing great. Good to have you on, TJ. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, how good does it feel to be a Michigan State Spartan? Greatest choice I've ever chose. I, it's, it's, it's the best feeling. I, I'm really glad I, I chose to be a spar. And you mentioned the greatest choice you ever chose. Now, let me ask you this following up. You got offers from the moon and back. Really quite impressive <laughs> resume when you look at it. You played probably the most positions I've ever seen at a recruit. Uh, Dan Kilbridge, we just had him on from 24-7 Sports, said nothing but outstanding things. Sean Chair can't get enough of you over at Spar and Tailgate. Uh, what made you choose Michigan State? Well, for one, I had my cousin Jeremy Ware in my ear just about, you know, throughout the whole process. As soon as Michigan State even even sent my first sent the first letter to my house mm-hmm. or to the school, that that it it, 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 <laughs> it it was it was it was 
it was always a, a Michigan State always was in the back of my mind, you know, even when I was had, you know, Georgia or Louisville or Oregon or somebody else in the top, you know, I've always had Michigan State uh right there on the on the on the back burner. Yeah, without a doubt. So, you know, as you mentioned, a lot of recruit, uh, you know, a lot of recruits came to recruit you, whatever this may be. But when I look at um, the most impressive thing about your resume is you're six one. They have you listed at two ten uh, as a safety, but they have you coming in as a linebacker. So I don't know what you think about playing uh, pretty close to the ball like that. Uh, that's linebacker is my home. That's like I said. That's that's where I. That's where I was. That's like that's where I was born. That's where I was playing in the little league. I, I played it. That's where I made all state in high school. It, it's that's I feel home up there. You know, safety was a was a it was it was a good position for me mm-hmm. for my size at the time. You know, you know the safeties were changing. You know, corners were even changing. Everybody was corners and safeties were getting bigger. But you know, I just felt you know linebacker was just that was just was just my it was just it for me. Me as being athletic as I was, it made linebacker so much easier. We're talking with T.J. Harrell, class of 2014 Michigan State recruit out of Tampa Catholic, Tampa, Florida, the latest Michigan State Floridian. Uh, T.J., I gotta ask you this: um, being recruited by Michigan State, you mentioned it was always on the back of your mind. But who was the first uh, football official from Michigan State that came and contacted you about being a Spartan? Uh, coach, like coaching wise? Yeah, coaching wise. Oh, easy, Coach Barnett. Oh, Harlan. And how how was Coach Barnett? And what really was uh, his pitch to be a Michigan State Spartan? Must have been pretty easy, knowing that it was on the back of your mind the whole time. Yeah, it was. Um, well, like like I said, Coach Barnett was the coach that that stuck with me. But what made it really easier for me to really trust Coach Barnett. And you know what he had to offer, and you know everything he was telling me was that a fact that he coached, he coached Jeremy Ware, and you know, and Jeremy Ware, and, and we call him Jay Ware. Jay Ware, he always, he always was was in my ear about how how that's a coach that you really wanna wanna um, have an impact on you in your life because he played in the league, he he, uh, he coached Jay Ware, and, and he's just somebody that you can trust. He keep it real with you. He's like one of the he like one of the best coaches in the country, if you ask me. Just from what, not even just from what Jay Ware told me, just from what I've seen, you know, uh, going through this process. We're talking with T.J. Harrell, um, latest Michigan State recruit class of 2014, out of Tampa Catholic, Tampa, Florida. Now, T.J., thank you so much for coming on. I got a few questions for you. I know that. Um, like Fino said, you had so many people after you, so many people after you. You know, 36 schools were interested in you, and 34 of them offered. And, it, you know, it makes me ask, you know, why you picked State, but you definitely answered that question. But was it a difficult decision? Because you had incredible football programs like Georgia and Louisville knocking on your door. So was it difficult? Absolutely. That's why I waited so long to make my decision. It was the the process was you know going through it. It was one of the hardest things I've ever had to deal with in my life because it was so long. You meet so many people. You got so many you know big names coming at you. It it was uh, it was it was tough. It was really tough. I can only imagine, especially you know being in high school, you're making this huge decision as to where to take your talents. So, but Michigan State is definitely very very glad to have you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm glad to be here. It's, like I say, best choice I've, I, I, I feel like I chose. And I want to ask you, I know you ran track in high school, and uh, are you, you running track in high school, or you ran, um, but would you ever consider competing here at Michigan State as well? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's that's really, um, I talk, that's one of the first things I asked Coach Antonio and Coach Barnett was if I could, and he told me, you know, once I get football, I'm always going to be number one. That's That's clear. Football is always going to be number one. But if I ever had the chance and, you know, got got comfortable, more, more comfortable with the program and um, things like that, I definitely would run track from MSU. Now, uh, you know, TJ, Faith mentioned that you'd consider track. Um, did that factor in your decision at all? Was your decision to go to Michigan State contingent and if you could run track for the Spartans in the spring? Uh, no, not really. Um, uh, track was really just, something I felt that kept me in shape and, and, you know, I was good at it. So I just continued to compete in it. But if, even if Michigan state told me I wasn't going to be able to compete in track, I probably would have still chosen MSU. Without a doubt. I couldn't agree more. We're talking with TJ Harrell, um, latest Michigan state recruit class of 2014. Welcome into the pact. 
Uh, TJ, let me ask you this. Uh, you mentioned, you know, you always see yourself as a linebacker. Um, you play so many sides of the ball, but, you know, let me ask you this. If you had a play offense, uh, where would you see yourself playing? You're just such a good athlete. I'm curious to know you see yourself as a safety, a linebacker. Who knows? You probably could kick a 50-yarder, but we all know. <laughs> but where do you see yourself as an offensive playmaker? Oh, running back. Easy. Easy. I'm a, like, track, being a track star, I've, I've, been running my whole, I've, I've been running my whole life. Playing running back my whole life. If, if I had to choose a position on the offensive side, it would easily be running back. We're talking with TJ Harrell from uh, Latest Spartan Recruit. TJ, let me ask you this final question before we let you go. Uh, you visited November 2nd, Spartan Stadium, your official visit. Uh, what do you think about that atmosphere? Pretty loud place, huh? Very loud, very cold, too. That was, probably, that was the best. Yeah. Not just the fact, because I've never really, that was probably my first time being in that type, type of weather, but uh, forget the weather. The atmosphere was amazing. The, the the fans was amazing. The football team played lights out, especially that defense. It, it, it was hype. It, it was, you picked it a good game to go to. That was the best visit I, I took. I mean, that's got to that's got to fire you up though, TJ. As you know, coming in as a linebacker, I know they have to lift you as safety, but I'm going to throw that out the drain here. Uh, we're going to have you as a linebacker. You see a 29-6 victory over the University of Michigan. I got to ask you, seeing that defense put, how many sacks in a row was that, Faith? Four or five sacks in a row against uh, Devin Gardner and co. Number 98. What a ridiculous number that is. But uh, pretty impressive to see that defense on how they play, despite it being pretty cold, huh? It was it was cold. It was it was, it was was cold. But, um, yeah, like, like I say, the defense played lights out. And mm-hmm. for, but the thing about it was, you know, I was hearing so much hype about Gardner um, before that game. I never really actually watched a guy play. I just actually, you know, heard so much hype, saw a couple highlights. And then to see what our defense did to him, had him we had him shook. We had him shook, and, and, and that just – it was it was great. No doubt about it. Devin Gardner had nowhere to go that game. But I had to ask you, TJ, and it's I'm dying to ask. You know, you're a Tampa kid, uh, but college before you commit to Michigan State. Growing up, what was your go-to college team? Growing up, my favorite team uh, probably was going to be Miami. The U. It had to be the U. All about the U. A team full of a bunch of just just nasty, mean dogs. It was. That was definitely my school growing up. And my favorite linebacker came out of Miami, too, so Sean Spence. So, yeah, it was Miami. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Now that uh, T.J. Harrell is a Michigan State commit, he liked Miami growing up, and there's no doubt, and I don't see a Notre Dame uh, commitment anywhere (laughs) because it seems like the folks in South Bend never would like a Michigan State Spartan, but now they definitely don't like you. But it's okay. Uh, it's okay. But, TJ, thanks so much for coming on the show. It's a pleasure, and we wish you all the best coming in the fall. And go green. Go, go, go white. Can't uh, wait to get there. Uh, thank you, TJ. Take care, bud. Uh, yep. Pretty good interview there from TJ Faith. I thought he was uh, excellent. He's committed to this program, and he really seems like he wants to play here. Yeah, and so down to earth. I mean, there were times where, you know, he was kind of speechless just at the fact that he'll be here, which is so exciting because we know – here at Michigan State, that he's going to do big things. He brought up a couple interesting things, though. It was the fans. It was the welcoming of the community. And to me, you know, as fans, Faith, um, yeah, as Michigan State Spartan students, it's pretty interesting to get that perspective from someone that isn't from the area. You're a local girl. I'm a student, not a local guy, but I am now. He's from Tampa. He doesn't really know what Michigan State's about. And to say some positive things about the program, the community, pretty humbling. No, absolutely. And uh, I doubt, you know, I was reading up on him a little bit, and he was saying how one thing he liked about Michigan State is that they weren't pressuring him. You know, D'Antonio had said to him, we always got a spot for you. But he had so many other options that he got to seek those out. But obviously his heart came back to Michigan State. And that's so interesting you mentioned that because – he had so many options. He he did say, yeah, Michigan State was always on the back burner for me. But I looked at the other options, and that's why I waited so long to commit. So maybe if you're Coach D in this staff, you're thinking, okay, he mentioned Coach Barnett, how he's huge for him making the decision. But this kid bled Michigan State. He mentioned um, Ware having a big impact for him coming on, played here. So when I look at that faith, eh, 
looks like – did it get scary for a second with T.J. Harrell? But if you look at that recruiting class, whoa, it's pretty loaded. And as Dan Kilbridge mentioned earlier in the show, defense first seems not only the, the philosophy on the field, but out in the recruiting force. Yeah, so um, we're going to take a quick break here on the pack. When we come back, we'll talk about a little NBA playoff action. We're going to try to connect with offensive lineman Noah Listerman. If we can connect with him, we'll let you guys know. So keep it here on the pack. We're embracing the Spartan debate all the way through the top of the hour. This is Fino along with Faith and John behind the glass. This is the Pact. You're listening to the Pact on 88.9 FM WDBM East Lansing. Smoking Helpline. Yes, I need to start smoking right away. Excuse me? I need to start smoking. Well, actually, it's the Stop Smoking Helpline. The people in the apartment next to mine smoke three packs a day, and it drives me crazy. So I'm thinking four packs will do it. I think you want MySmokeFreeApartment.org. It gives you the information you need to work toward a smoke-free apartment building. A smoke-free building without all that smoking. Uh, Yeah, that's right. Make your apartment smoke-free without making a stink. MySmokeFreeApartment.org. For more variety than you'll hear on any other station, listen to the Impact Primetime, Primetime, where you can find a different specialty show every night of the week. Wednesday nights from 8 until midnight, it's the Impact's Accidental Blues, your source for great blues music, news, and concert information. Only on Impact Primetime. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. And now back to the Pact here on 88.9 FM. That is right. We're back on the Pact. Fino alongside Faith and John Yale's behind the glass. We're taking you all the way to the top of the hour, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, We spoke with Dan Kilbert from 24-7 Sports and SpartanTailgate.com. We spoke to T.J. Harrell, Michigan State class of 2014, linebacker recruit um, from Tampa, Florida, Tampa Catholic. Pretty good interviews, Faith, but um, we take it away from our recruiting segment, which took us three-fourths through the show, and I, we got to talk about this because I'm kind of upset the way this is being perceived in the NBA playoffs, the finals. The NBA finals is absolutely smoking the Stanley Cup finals. Six million people watched game, 6.2 million people watched game two of the Stanley Cup final. Oh, guess what? Over 15 million people have watched the NBA finals per game. Sorry, NHL. No one likes your commissioner, and more importantly, no one really cares about the Stanley Cup Finals. Although, oh, whoa, I do. <laughs> oh, we all do care, but at the end of the day, I'm just saying the majority of America cares about the NBA. But that's not really fair because the NBA is just a more popular sport than the NHL. Without it, it's not even debatable. It's really not even debatable. Uh, maybe not in Michigan because the Pistons have been so terrible. But watch, once the Pistons start winning, oh no, everyone cares about the NBA again. How ironic is that? Uh, but let's just kind of change gears a little bit and go away from the Pistons because there's nothing really going on with that team anyway. Uh, this NBA Finals, LeBron James in Game 1, not really playing in the wheat stretch minutes of that fourth quarter. And I got to get this off my chest, Faith. Everyone's talking about it. LeBron James, this guy's a wuss. He's a baby. He can't play. He got carried off the court with cramps. But I got news for you. In one of the biggest games, I think, of his career, no air conditioning in the AT&T Center. Hot San, uh, San Antonio. Uh, I don't have a problem with LeBron James having cramps and coming out of this game because I think game two, no one was saying anything bad about LeBron James' faith. See, I was a little bit frustrated with the way that LeBron handled himself at the end. And I understand he was in pain, you know, no doubt about that. But I'm looking at, you know, the Spurs guys who are much older, much more veteran. You know, they're, they're in their 30s, a lot of them you know, 38, 35, whatever they are. And they weren't complaining one bit about the heat. I mean, give me a break. Are they really going to compare, I'm sorry, complain in their own building that you can't even get the air conditioning to work? But there's no air conditioning, but they still weren't complaining. That was my whole perspective. Okay, fine. But I'm not going to say, LeBron James didn't come out and say, look, it was because the heat. 
literally, the, it's because of the heat we lost. <laughs> LeBron saying that about his own team. We're talking about the air conditioning. But the thing is, when I look at it, look, he didn't come out and say, blame game. He didn't come out and say that. They outplayed us. They out-executed us. No, he came out with an incredible performance in game two. That's what he did. That's all that matters. LeBron James, what is it, three points in the first quarter, John? Was it three? Something like that. Next three quarters of the game, he scores 32 points. He's all over the place. And no one's saying crap about LeBron James then. It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, James, game high, 35 points, 10 rebounds, three assists. You oh, know, he had it, a double-double? No way. No way. <laughs> Shocking. But I think, you know, one thing that we can take away from that is James can, you know, just he performs so much better under adversity. Yeah. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. But to me, the key to this series, look, LeBron James is going to play exceptional every game. That's without a doubt, John. But to me, when I look at it, you know, I don't know what the key is in this series. Yeah, number nine on Miami, Rashard Lewis. Rashard Lewis has started game two. He's been a big impact. I thought he was a good impact in game one. I really thought so. I thought he played well enough that he's getting big minutes and making big-time threes. But if Rashard Lewis is going to give you 26 points, five for nine from the floor, more importantly, three for seven beyond the arc and give you 14 points, Miami will not lose. They don't have an answer for Rashard Lewis. And if Chris Bosh plays 18 points, you know, yeah, he missed a free throw, fine. But 6 from 11 from the floor, LeBron James will obviously give you an insane percentage of 14 for 22. Rashard Lewis, as I mentioned, Faith, 5 for 9. Dwayne Wade, 5 for 9. There is no stopping that team. And the thing about it is, Ray Allen gave you 9 points off the bench. Ray Allen could give you more. But look, Chris Anderson, Birdman, he's not giving you anything. But he's giving you defense, but not offense. So when I look at that, to me, those are the key things. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's the most important thing. But Duncan, he had a good game, Faith. 18 points, 15 rebounds. Duncan will play B. Duncan. But where is Kawhi Leonard? Paging Kawhi Leonard, where are you in game two? Everyone's talking about you stepping up. Now you're in the limelight. He's not performing. Kawhi Leonard is this X factor for this San Antonio team. And if they're going to win the NBA championship... They got to give you something. You know, it was just shocking seeing from game one, you know, the Spurs closed with 16-3 and three run, you know, after James had left. And then they come back, and it's a very close game all the way up until the end, but obviously the Heat prevail. I'm sticking with what I said, you know, last week. I said Heat are going to lose game one. As you just add to that, LeBron hasn't won a game one in any Who cares series. if he lost game one? You know what I'm saying? Well, that's what I'm saying. And so I still believe that the Heat will win the series, though. I'm curious to know what Yale's thinks because he's quiet over there behind the glass. I promise you he has a microphone. But I think the Spurs at this point are just too overhyped. Who cares about the Spurs right now? This is Miami's championship, and Miami's going to take this home. It's going to Miami, Johnny. Yeah, I don't I don't think you can – you can't expect Miami – I think it was just a mistake by Le, LeBron James in game one, and it's basically – the Spurs snuck this out. They got the one game that LeBron's going to sit out and cry, whatever, whatever. But they, they snuck game one, and I think they're going to sweep the rest of the series. I said Miami's going to win the whole time. The only thing that ticked me off about LeBron was when they kept showing all the all the fans in San Antonio sweating and making it a big deal. And then they showed the mascot. Well, that was ESPN. And I thought the you. mascot was sitting there, and he was dying. I'm thinking of the mascot. Oh, the LeBron mascot. James poor, poor is complaining mascot. about playing. Oh, bro, the, that's so funny. We're talking about the mascot here on the pack. The mascot's got the, wor- you the know worst what? job. <laughs> I don't care. Who cares? The player of the game in game one was not Tim Duncan. It was not Manu Ginobili. It was the mascot. <laughs> the mascot in the suit. That thing's got to be 100 degrees. We're talking about LeBron James's cramp? <laughs> Are you serious? Let's bring back that. Ch- Remember when Charles Barkley and Dick Bavetta did that All-Star Game sprint during the All-Star break a couple years ago? Bring that back. Bring the mascot to run that, to the court and back. If the mascot's running that, who knows? We might have a funeral in San, in San Antonio. I would, it, I would it, hope not. I would hope not as well, but you know what? I don't care. He's the player of the game. The player of the game is not Tim Duncan. The player of the game and not game two is not LeBron James. It's San Antonio's mascot. Bounce back performance for the mascot. Played well and stood in there. And you know what? Composure was great. Composure was excellent. 
But in all kidding aside, if San Antonio is going to win this series, they're going to have to get more points out of their X-Factor, Kawhi Leonard, who only gave you nine. And Danny Green, all of a sudden, out of the blue, it's Christmas morning. Danny Green has decided to show up. He's had a decent two games in the finals. 18 points, nine, or I'm sorry, 18 minutes, nine points, three for five, two for three beyond the arc, made his only free throw, doesn't really rebound, so I won't count that. He's a shooting guard, but nine points. Danny Green has decided to show up in game two, and in game one, he was solid. But I think when it comes down to it, Faith, but he got a lot of garbage time points. When it comes down to it, although I think Kawhi Leonard is the X factor and he needs to perform at an exceptional clip if they're gonna if the Spurs are gonna win it all. Woo. What about Danny Green? Danny Green for me in game one gave you 28 minutes and 13 points, but his percentage is great. Four for nine in game one, three for five in game two, two for three beyond the arc in game two. Three for seven beyond the arc in game one. He attempted seven threes. Must have been open and had confidence. Danny Green, whoa. That's got to be something. I mean, I was impressed with you know com- people coming off the bench. Like, Ginobili had 19 points off the bench. I was also impressed with rebounds for the Spurs. I mean, Duncan had 18 points and 15 rebounds, which definitely is a game changer. It's no doubt a game changer. And I just want to respond back to this tweet that MSU Impact Sports guy. It's David DeFever, a good friend of ours here at Impact Sports. Uh, former Behind the Mask host here. And I'm going to read his tweet. And I want MidMichigan to hear this because I think it's ridiculous. It's tough to accept the NBA-NHL viewership differential, but ESPN covers the NBA and puts a push on the sport over hockey. Well, defeats. The reason why is because, A, it has nothing to do with what ESPN pushes because ESPN, uh, the NBA has other uh, national agreements with Turner, DNT. Uh, yes, they do have ESPN. They have, obviously, NBA TV. I don't really count that. But look, more people in America like basketball than hockey. That may not be geogra- uh, geologically and geographically make sense and true in this area. But when it comes down, and I'm dying for you to call in, Defeats. You call in right now and you debate if you're listening. And, you, and I'll take you on right now. But when it comes down to it, not a lot of people just care about the NHL on a national stage versus the NBA. And the NHL has its deals. They have MB- they have MB- uh, NBC. NBC is huge. They're 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 getting record ratings right now with the Rangers and the Kings in the Stanley Cup final. But this is the two biggest markets in America competing with each other. So when I look at that and I say, oh, there's the two biggest markets in America, the United States of America, and I'll reemphasize America. It's almost Fourth of July. It's a month away ish. You got the two biggest metropolitan markets, Faith, and they can't outdraw the NBA. They're never going to. Get it through your mind. It's not happening. It's just not happening. And when it comes down to it, tweet it. Signed, sealed, delivered. I'm yours. I don't care what you want to say. The NBA, and I'm not going to be like, look, if you look at my statements, it's about facts, folks. It's not about me saying, look, the NBA is a better sport than the NHL. It's not. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is the NBA is more popular than the NHL. You want my honest opinion? I think hockey's more exciting to watch than basketball. I mean, personally, for me, I'd prefer hockey over basketball. Yeah. I love I love the NBA. I'm a huge NBA fan. But I love the NHL, too, and I think the NHL is more exciting to watch. It has nothing to do with the TV deals. First of all, the NHL left ESPN. ESPN offered the NHL a deal. They left them for more money. So they're getting what they're getting, Period. And everyone, look, ESPN is going to promote anything on their channel of networks. They promote Major League Soccer. They promote NASCAR. They promote essentially everything. So whatever's on their channel, they, they promote drag racing. Whatever's on their network, they're going to promote. So the fact that the NBA is on ESPN and the NHL isn't, isn't legitimate argument. Because for me, Faith, it's about basketball's more popular than hockey in the nation. I mean, you can obviously see it in the ratings. The ratings say it all. I do want to ask you, since this series is tied up now, one and one, Okay. what do you think is going to happen in game three? I think the Heat win it. I think the Heat have not lost at home this year. Mm-hmm. They're 8-0 at home. They will not lose at home again. And the fact that the finals format, Faith, is now 2-2-1-1-1 versus 2-3-2. If it was 2-3-2, Faith, I thought Miami would win in five games because they're not losing at home. But realistically, I think this goes... Game seven? Yeah, I think it could go game seven, but when I'm looking at it, I think it's over in six games. I think Miami wins two. They go up 3-1. 
They lose in San Antonio 3-2, and Miami just takes it in game six. And I said Miami would win in six games. I, I have said that. So I look at it, Miami's going to win games three, games four, and game six. I think they lose game five because Miami will shut it down on their home court. I don't see them losing. I think LeBron James is the Michael Jordan of this generation, and I'm not saying who's better. I'm just strictly saying LeBron James is the best player in our generation, in this generation, I should say, and Michael Jordan was the best player in that previous generation. No debates there? I wouldn't, I wouldn't debate that. Okay. Now, would you debate this? The Miami Heat in this generation are the Chicago Bulls in that previous generation. Yeah, I can see that. Frank Vogel, head coach of the Indiana Pacers, said that exact statement. And you know what? I wanted to echo his remarks because I thought they were 100% true. This team, I'm not going to go, oh, the destiny card, this, that. I'm going out and saying I think what this Miami Heat team is doing is very special. And what LeBron James is doing in his prime is extremely special. And there's no doubt that LeBron James will go down as a top five NBA player of all time. I'm not saying he's the best. I'm just saying he's going to go down as a top five player. And it's pretty realistic. That I think Harry brought this up a couple weeks ago. Yeah, Harry Jaden was on the show once upon a time. He said it's not out, it's not outrageous to think about that Dwayne Wade might have more rings when it's all said and done than LeBron James. He's already won before in 06. So when I look at the two the two players, look, LeBron is a better player all time. Yes, more MVPs. Yes, accolades to yes, Jack Ebling, the moon and back. <laughs> but I think when I look at this, is yes. Dwayne Wade could very possibly have more rings than LeBron James. And it's taking, you know, not a lot away from the San Antonio team because San Antonio is on a collision course with the best team in our generation. And it goes far and says, look, Tim Duncan has 157 career double-doubles in the playoffs, tied for most all time. Not Time with Magic Johnson. Pretty exceptional. And guess what? When it's all said and done, and Magic Johnson could have had a lot more in his defense. But from his situation, obviously he had to retire from the NBA. But Tim Duncan will obviously have the most. I think he breaks it in game three, has the all-time career double-double record in the playoffs. He won't talk about it because it's all about that trophy. And as it should be. Rico Beard has said this on Press Pass before with Jack Ebling. Uh, He said Miami's got his name engraved. In the, on the trophy already. As much as I think Miami will win, that's a pretty bold statement. Before game one even started, Rico Beard said, yes, Fino, I think Miami's got this name engraved all over. I can see LeBron James' name on it. I think that's pretty interesting when you look and see it. I don't wouldn't go that far, Faith, but I would think Miami has this thing won. I, I do too, but like I said, I think it's going to be a very, very close series. I think, I think personally it'll go to game seven. Just because I think you have this very veteran team, Spurs, but you have a very hot team, the Heat, obviously, against one another, and it's going to be an incredible series. Yeah, there's no doubt it's going to be a great series. Game three, tomorrow night, Tuesday, June 10th, for all you and your calendars. Who do you think wins that game? Game Just to game three. You think Miami loses their first playoff home game? No, I got Miami. Yeah, I got one. Miami too in this one. No debate here. John Yale's curious to know what you think. You got Miami or you got uh, San Antonio in game three of this NBA final? I got Miami. Like I said, I think it was just a fluke with LeBron. Um, that was a fluke, wasn't it? Four. It's over. Yeah, give me a break. San Antonio down the stretch made like they were like, I think they shot like 32% down the stretch. It was terrible in game two. Game one, they were lights out because guess what? The best player in the game right now was off the court. Say what you want to say about LeBron's tenacity. Say what you want to say about his toughness, his stamina, everything under the moon. Fine. I'm, I'm a, Apparently, I'm an astronaut. I'm talking about the moon today. But when it comes down to it, Faith, it was a fluke. John Yale said it. It's a fluke. Game three, Miami rolls. And more importantly, I said Miami will win in six games. Do you echo that? No, I said game seven. Game, oh, so you think seven. Yeah. You think Miami goes to San Antonio and wins another title? I would, I would think so, yeah. Man, that big shot that he made. <laughs> and Tim Duncan went out and saying, we're going to go out and get this one. Do you agree with that? It's confident. And LeBron's saying, yeah, we know what he said. I don't think there's any animosity there. I think it's just one competitive guy speaking to another. I don't have a problem with Tim Duncan's comments. I just think ESPN just over blew them so much. No, I don't think – there's no problem with him saying that at all. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the comments. John, just curious, do you have a problem with those comments? No, I think it was fine. It's fine. You can yeah. say it. Yeah, I mean, I don't have a problem with it at all, but, you know, Faith, no. 
You're good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. All right. Well, here on The Pact, we're always welcome our show uh, guest, Dan Kilbert from 247sports.com, SpartanTailgate.com. We thank him. We thank TJ Harrell, the Michigan State commit out of Tampa, Florida. Uh, for our listeners on The Pact, we thank you. Without you guys, this show is not possible for myself, Faith, and John Yale's behind the glass. No Austin Goodman today. Sayonara here from East Lansing. We'll see you next Monday from 7 to 8. Here at the basement of Holden Hall, WDBM East Lansing.